What's up, Raising Cajun fans? This is head football coach Billy Nature, and you're listening to the flagship station of Louisiana Raising Cajun Athletics, ESPN 1420. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Into the great Scott show, the greatest sports callers open think tank. We've only got a few days left in the year of our Lord, 2020. And uh, joining me this morning on a Tuesday, because we didn't have a show on Thursday last week. We don't have one this week with the um, winter holiday breaks we're getting. So he's joining me today from parts unknown, not in the studio, but... On the air and in our hearts, Norman Locke is in the house. Good morning, Norm. What's up? Good morning, Scott. Oh, it's a good morning. Did you it's drink? Did you drink some coffee this morning? What, what do you drink, or what do you like? What do you do to start yourself when you have to get up really early? I'm a tea drinker. I'm not. I'm not so much a coffee drinker, but I do enjoy a nice hot cup of tea. Oh, tea is awful. It is awful, it's but awful. I, 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 co- co- coffee's worse. Coffee's you know worse to me. You know what? I don't drink coffee either. Um, I just drink a lot of Diet Dew, which I'm sure is terrible for me. But uh, at this point, I've probably got more of it inside of me than blood. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, co- like my dad's like a coffee holic and has been, you know, as long as I've been alive. So I remember like a young age, just everything in the house, just it always smelt like coffee and like I would taste it and it just... I don't know. Just it wasn't it wasn't for me. My wife drinks coffee every day. A lot of people, most people, that's their thing. You know, most people don't wake up at you know five thirty and, and down a diet Mountain Dew. But um, you know, we're just a little different. We're just a little weird, and and that's probably why we're on the radio, right? Yeah. See, the thing with me is when you drink, when you're a coffee drinker, you're kind of compelled to drink the entire cup. I never finish the entire cup of tea, so it's like you know, I, I it gets me up and then I throw it away. Tea, man. All right. All right. I don't know. It just, whatever works, whatever works for, for, for everybody out there, just do your thing. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the show. Norman Locke in the house. And uh, we got a lot to dig into, man, uh, since the last time oh. we chatted. Lots going down. And, uh, you know, we usually tackle the NFL quite a bit. So let's, let's start there, Norm, because week 16 wrapped up last night. Uh, Josh Allen throws four touchdowns. Um, he is, you know, I mean, he's just playing at such a high level. And I remember when, when Buffalo, um, a couple of things on Buffalo. They're having a moment right now, Norm. And I, I, I think regardless of what the Bills do in the postseason, even if they're one and done, which I'm not expecting, but I, that doesn't mean that, that even though everyone's going to take it as an opportunity to pile on or something, um, that doesn't change the fact that they've made some good decisions because, you know, Sean McDermott got criticized the year that they could have taken a quarterback when they had a lot of good ones in the class, but traded back in the draft and took Tredavious White, who, by the way, is is really good. And they criticized him because McDermott's like, look, I just got there and, and I knew defense better. I just I wasn't comfortable taking a quarterback yet. People ripped on him for that. 
lot of folks were critical of the of the Josh Allen pick, and then a lot of folks were critical of the Bills uh, over the summer for quote giving up too much for Stephon Diggs end quote. And I would say, you know, if if you want to get on a team for not taking Mahomes, well, you can get on, you know, ten different teams all the time if you want to. I mean, that's just uh, save it for the Bears, and and that's it, right? Because they took Trubisky. You, you don't, you know, if you want if you want to rip on Jacksonville a little bit, okay, fine. But like, you don't need to do that to every single team, especially the ones that have made good decisions and are in a position right now to compete for a championship. So I think the Bills took a lot of heat, but right now they're having a moment, and regardless of what happens in the postseason, and I think they're going to – I think they could make some noise here. I think they deserve a lot of praise, and I think a lot of folks need to just sit back and say, you know what, I might have been wrong about some of that criticism because Josh Allen's good, and I can't remember a wide receiver trade – Right in in NFL history that had as big an impact as Diggs has had in year one. You could argue, you know, when Moss went um, some places, you know. The I got bat- one for you. All right, give it, give it to me. Uh, Amari Cooper and the Dallas Cowboys. Amari Cooper did not have the impact he, that that Diggs is having right now. He definitely did. Um, Dak Prescott's season totals pre that same season that we traded for Amari Cooper, the first eight games versus the second eight games with Amari Cooper is completely opposite, and that turned our season around. And Amari had a thousand yards eight games. So you think you would you would put it on par, or you would you would surpass? I put it on par. I put it on par. I mean, because Diggs is it was eight games. Diggs is. I mean, this. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so that to your. I will give you that. And we traded a first round pick also, and and Raiders fans was you know laughing at Cowboys fans because Amari Cooper had just had a down year, and then now it's been two seasons, uh, two or three seasons of a thousand yards plus since we traded the first round pick to Oakland, and Oakland hasn't had a thousand yard receiver yet. Uh, John, John Gruden has a worse record in his first three seasons than than Tom Cable did as coach of the Raiders. So folks, spy wider. In uh, three nineties, spider, spider, two wide banana man. Love that play. Love that call. And uh, you know the Raiders. We got it. We got to get on track here. You know we we've run into a little bit of a, a tough situation here, but we're gonna get right. So you know, but but for Diggs, it's I think when you look at the the entire season, um, and Cooper, look, let's be honest. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys, good or bad, they're gonna have a major spotlight on them for the Bills. I mean, you got to be really good to have a spotlight on you. So, um, for Diggs to kind of get the recognition he's getting, and all of the picks that that went over there in exchange for him, I think it's just been you know the hats off to the. That's all I can say. Hats off to the Bills, man, because uh, they're doing some things here. They've uh, they've beaten a lot of teams by a lot of points, and they seem to be playing their best football at the right time. Nah, 100%. Like, uh, what it was like three weeks ago, we, we went through uh, the NFL team schedules to see who, which team beat the most winning record teams, and it's the Bills, and they keep winning. And, you know, I'm one of those people that was highly critical of Josh Allen, but um, as I went back and I looked, each year he's improved his passing rating. That's from college to the pros. So he is progressing as a passer. You know, when you have a rookie quarterback, the best thing you do is you give him an elite receiver, and that's exactly what the Bills did, and it's turning out well. That's what Arizona did with Kyler Murray. That's what the Dallas Cowboys did with Amari Cooper. That's, you know, that's what Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. If you give your rookie quarterback 
an elite wide receiver. You're going to be able to tell quicker than later if he's good enough to be your franchise quarterback. The um, uh, One of our listeners, Jay, checks in in terms of impact. He mentions Terrell Owens' trade to Philadelphia back in 2004. That was a big True. one. They did get to the one. Super Bowl that year. And when you look at the other – I mean, the number two option that year for Philly was either Todd Pinkston or Freddie Mitchell. So, you know, <laughs> it, it's uh, there, there's, a, there's a big difference there. And, and I actually think the Bills' other receivers are, are, are better than the options of, of Pinkston and Mitchell – uh, they don't get a lot of they don't get a lot of love because you know they play in Buffalo, but um, you know I mean Cole Beasley. I'm a John, this John Brown fan club. Yeah. John, John Brown won me the fantasy last year. John, John Brown's good now. He's even right now, but when he's in there, um, you know he's a good player. So, uh, but just I I think I think I, I guess he played last night two targets. But there's a guy that you know both of those guys both of those guys can play. So where where are you at? Every, I think all the, the focus last night on Buffalo, and that's going to happen when it's a a bad football game. And I admittedly was following the the, the high school football last night. Uh, shout out LCA and STM on state championships. Karen Girl has a chance. To LCA. To, Karen Girl has a chance to do it tonight. Acadiana tomorrow, and uh, Acadiana game, of course, will be on our airwaves. But I, you know, I once I saw the game was getting out of hand. I don't know if you watched it, but I imagine typically when a Monday night football game gets out of hand, and you've got a team like the Bills who are who are good, and the Patriots who are going to miss the playoffs for the first time in a long time, the focus then becomes okay. What can Buffalo do in the postseason? Now the Chiefs, they just keep winning. They're like the only playoff team whose spot is already locked in no matter what happens in Week 17. All the other spots are currently can be moved, right? The Saints can finish first, second, or third. Green Bay can finish first and second. There are teams that haven't clinched yet. There are teams that can clinch. Like, it's all only Kansas City is there, and it's the one. So they're locked in. And then folks point out, yeah, but, you know, they're a little bit. Mahomes is, is, is the best, but... You know, they lost Hilaire. They've only won their last, you know, seven games by six points or less. That's an NFL record. I think folks are trying to talk themselves into a team in the AFC other than the Chiefs. Now, I still think it's going to be the Chiefs, but if it's not the Chiefs, I mean, Jake DeLome came on the show a few weeks ago and he said, look out for the Buffalo Bills. They are they are the sleeper team right now, and now – I don't think they're a sleeper anymore. I think everyone's kind of on that wagon that if it's not KC in the AFC, it's probably Buffalo. Yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, if you you can't be watching football if you're talking about any other team other than the Kansas City Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills. We've watched the Steelers just turn into. I don't know what happened. I don't know if the Monstars took their powers I, I, and gave I can, it to the I can, Bills. I can I can tell you what one thing that's going on there. What's, so what's so so Randy Randy Fickner is their offensive coordinator, and okay. let's let's just say that this year he has not done a very good job. Um, yeah, and, huh. and 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 reports are, and Warren Sharp was reporting this, as well as others, was that there was you know bit of a schism, right? Bit of a you want to call it a communication issue, whatever you want to call it. Let's just say there was an issue between him and the Steelers offense and the players and big Ben. And in the first half, he was calling the plays against the Colts who have a good defense. I mean, they're, they're not a, a perfect team yet. You know, they could miss the playoffs or they could win their division. I mean, there's a lot on the good line. Defense. Good defense, uh, right? Offense. And so, so 
they were they, basically defensively, they were at the line in the first half, and they they were calling out the plays the Steelers were going to run before they were going to run them. Literally, wow. at the line, calling them out. I mean, Pittsburgh's only first half touchdown last week or on Sunday was was a defensive score. And so their offense had done jack squat, you know, nothing, nothing in the first half. And in the second half, you know, what, do they score 24 unanswered or 21 unanswered and win the game? And they let basically Big Ben um, take over some play calling duties at the line, let him have a little bit more freedom. And I would imagine with input from other players on the offense as well. And look what happens. Suddenly, Indy doesn't know what's coming. They 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 make a comeback. Everyone left Pittsburgh completely for dead. They had lost three in a row. They're they're getting shut down by the Colts. Nobody, and then suddenly, let's take away play calling duties for this guy for a half, and and now they come back against a team with a good defense, win, clinch a playoff spot, clinch their division. I, I don't know what they're going to have to do going into the postseason, but there's no way that they can let Randy Fix to call plays or or have full autonomy when it comes to calling plays because if he does. They're going to be one and done, but if they let others get involved and, and basically take some of those duties away from Fickner and don't officially demote him until after the season, but pretty much unofficially demote him going into the playoffs, then they have a chance to make some noise. But I think I think that is the big issue in Pittsburgh right now. It's Randy Fickner. Well, if, if that's the issue and, you're, and you have to give Big Ben the play calling duties, that's just more stress on him. And I can't, I can't bank on that going into the playoffs uh, in this 2020 season of uncertainty. Um, that's two two teams that I'm off the train going into the playoffs. Sky is the Steelers and the Titans. I'm completely off the train. Oh yeah, well the Titans. I've been telling you that. Also, the Titans defense is just awful. Offensively, Derrick Henry, it's all good. Love it, good stuff. Their defense is atrocious, and they might win their division. And in cold conditions, they may just feed Tractor Zito and win a game on the legs of one Derrick Henry. But they're 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 far. They're just far from a contender. Um, the Bills. Yeah, here's another one for you on the Bills. They have recorded 20 first downs in every single game this year. There is only one other team in NFL history to do that. In their in their first fifteen games, and let's see if Buffalo can make it sixteen. That would be the Patriots in twenty twelve. So, this 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 Bills offense is for real, and and their defense is you know their defense has always been pretty good. So, I don't know, man. I I I'm I'm, I'm happy for their fans, but you know uh, I'm also would be a little worried. I mean, they've had their hearts broken quite a bit, but they hadn't won a division in twenty five years, and they haven't been relevant since they were losing Super Bowls. So. I'm happy for their fan base and, and for that franchise. Yeah, I'm I'm happy that you know that the quarterback position turned out for them because right now with these other franchises, it looked like it's it's costing people their jobs and it's putting their franchise in holes for multiple years. ESPN4.com. Um, so separating contenders from pretenders in the AFC. KC Buffalo, you feel like are contenders. You mentioned Pittsburgh and Tennessee as pretenders. What about Miami, Baltimore, Cleveland, Indy. So one of those four isn't going to the postseason. Three of those four are. We just saw Cleveland lose to the Jets. Granted, they were missing a lot of their wide receivers. Shout out Jamarcus uh, Bradley for getting called up to the roster. Five catches, 60 yards on Sunday. Um, the Ravens are kind of just quiet. Last year, they had all the noise. This year, they're just kind of quietly going about their business. Miami, I think, is 
is like, I think they have the brightest future in the league, but I also think that, you know, I, I don't think they're a contender this year in the AFC. And then Indy, like we said, good good defense, but uh, you know, some issues offensively. Where where do you rank each of those teams in order? Because you said Pittsburgh and Tennessee, you feel like are pretenders. Do you put either Miami, Baltimore, Cleveland, or Indy ahead of either Pittsburgh or Tennessee in terms of just pecking order in the AFC playoff picture? I'm going to put the Browns at that number three spot because, you know, last week, due to COVID, they didn't have their receivers. They had to call up a bunch of practice squad guys. And I'm going to attribute that loss to that just because people are going to say, you're supposed to run Nick Chubbs. Well, everybody in the whole world know that's all they was possibly was going to be able to do with a bunch of new receivers. So uh, Baker Mayfield wasn't going to go out there and throw 30 balls to guys who he didn't throw to all year. So I'm going to give the Browns a little bit of it doubt, and I'm going to put the Browns at that three seat on a believable contender scale. Then I'm going to put the Steelers under those Browns, even though I don't believe in them. And then after that, it gets a little spooky for me. I'm going to say the Ravens make the playoffs. I don't know if they got if they need help. I don't know if they control their own destiny. But I would like to see the Ravens make the playoffs because, again, the Colts, their offense is funky. I don't think they deserve to make the playoffs. And then um, who's left? It was Browns, Steelers. And, the, and, then you, and then you got the Dolphins. The Dolphins. I just watched uh, the Oakland Raiders. Vegas. Pass. A Ve- I'm sorry. Vegas Raiders. I'm, I'm on my job. Yeah, no, it, no it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to get used to. It's hard to get used to. I'm all, so, so I just watched Nelson Aguilar. Help me lose my fantasy championship by <laughs> 55 points on the two best cornerback tandems in the league. So I got I got to put him in a pretender list, not Nick Aguilar. I can't. I, you you put 155 up on Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. I don't know. I, I, that means I can see elite receivers doing it to you. I got to get the Dolphins out of there. So uh, you know the Bills and I. I. I I can't put the Browns at three, man. I mean, we we watched them lose to Baltimore. This game on Sunday for Cleveland is such a big moment for them because, you know, since they got their franchise back, if you want to go to their history pre-going to Baltimore and then, you know, becoming the Browns again, really, historically, they're a really old franchise, but technically their current franchise has only been around since 99 in terms of how it's constructed. And they've only been to the playoffs one time, and they lost. They have been the little brother to the Pittsburghs. I mean, the Steelers have just beat them up and thrown them around constantly like it's nobody's business over the years. Now, Pittsburgh on Sunday, who has a chance to clinch the two-seed, granted they need help, but Buffalo, they would have to lose and Pittsburgh would have to win. But guess what? Buffalo's playing the Dolphins, who have to win to get into the playoffs, guarantee themselves. They could still get in with some help if they lose. So I, if Cleveland goes into this thing and loses to their big brother and wins 10 games but misses the playoffs, and part of the reason why is because they lost to the Jets, oh, man. Would that not be the most Cleveland thing imaginable? You finally feel like you got a good team. You get double-digit wins. The first year, the NFL has seven teams in each conference, and then they don't get in. I, I would, I, I would go ahead. I and feel say bad it. for Baker Mayfield. I, you know, because everybody rode Baker Mayfield. 
this entire season on whether or not he's the franchise quarterback, whether or not he's an NFL quarterback, whether or not the Browns made a mistake taking him. And if they get to double-digit wins and don't make the playoffs, I honestly feel bad for Baker. Yeah, uh, that's one of us. Uh, I <laughs> I feel bad for some <laughs> of the Browns fans. Uh, but I, I definitely – because, look, the Ravens are playing the Bengals. Okay, they're not going to lose. They're in. Yeah, yeah, that's why. That's why I'm on the. I'm on the Ravens. I'm on now the, Ravens. the Dolphins are playing the Bills, um, but they could still get in if if they lose and the Browns lose or the Colts or the Ravens, and then you got the Titans who are playing the Texans. So they're they're prop they're gonna win. Like and then right. the and then the Colts are playing the Jags, which ironically is the only team that beat them this year and the only win the Jags have this year, and that was all the way back in Week One. And now they need some help, but if they win against Jacksonville, all it's going to take, I just I think the Colts um, and the Ravens are going to win. I think the Titans are probably going to win. I'm not sure about the Dolphins. I think Buffalo wants that two seed in a big way, so I think they're going to go for it, and they're at home, and they're good. Uh, but I, I'm not going to be shocked if Miami beats them. I think the Browns are going to be. I think they're. I don't think they're going to the playoffs, Norm. I think they're going to have their hearts broken. I think they're going to be on the outside looking in, and Cleveland fans are just going to have to continue to take L's, even when they have a good season. I think it's going to be a big L for the Browns on Sunday. Man, that's that that that, that will hurt. But you know what? Hurt hurt worse if you are a Washington football team fan. And you had the division lead for about four weeks, and then the 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 defeated Dallas Cowboys come and come snatch it right out your hands. What, 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 you know, you just you flip flop so much because weeks ago it was I don't want these wins. We got to increase our chances of getting a good pick. That's and now, true. And now you're just all in to try to get a playoff spot with a losing record because we're out of the top five. Spot we have the top ten in picks now, so now that I think it's projected between like twelve and seventeen, funky. It's kind of funky of a pick. So I'm like, hmm, what would give more people? What would upset more people? The Cowboys getting a top ten pick, or the Cowboys making the playoffs? With a, and might <laughs> and might beat a, beat a playoff team because no, if we no, have no. to see. So, so the Cowboys couldn't beat the Bears or the or the Rams would have hurt they, Jared Goff. They would they would probably be playing the Buccaneers. That's that's who I don't see the Bucks losing to the Falcons Sunday. Okay. Um, okay. I think the Bucks are going to be the five seed. I, I it's not guaranteed, but I think look they beat the Falcons. They get the five seed. They lose to the Falcons. They could still get it if other things happen, like a Rams loss to the Cardinals. Um, the Bears can't get the five seed no matter what, so you can forget about playing them. So you're probably the the the, the AFC East champion. I think I saw the the uh, football FPI the, the all the basically all the computer programs they crunch all the numbers. Here's the percentage. The Bucks have an 84 percent chance of getting the five seed. That's who that's who the NFC East champion is going to play, and they're going to probably going to lose. I you know. It's it's all about matchups too. I mean, remember how close the Giants played the Bucks? Remember that? Was I, it Monday Night Football? Yeah, and I, I hey, all I can the, say is the, the Cowboys have, have been sleeping. Oh, I, I, I was want, gotta love it. I, I'm, I know I, you are enjoying more than me. The Cowboys beating the Bucks. Uh yeah. I mean, it's it's like God. I mean, that's like that's like pulling teeth. 
I mean, is, is it? It's a, it's just a lose lose situation. But no, I wouldn't. I'll be honest. I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind it. Um, Tampa Bay, Dallas. Here's the thing. Washington, it's it's a mess there right now. But they get the Eagles, and the Eagles are just absolutely atrocious. But they've, they're, you know, they've got some fight they're, in them. I, they're I, atrocious. Uh, they've got some fight in them. They're they're a, they've they've been a bad football team this year. Were, were they atro- were they atrocious when they beat the Saints, who had the number one defense? As I said, the Saints played awful that day, deserved to lose. Credit to the Eagles, but I mean, the Jags beat a team that might be going to the playoffs. So let's not singulate, let's not point to a single game and try to make a season. Uh, but to call them awful, they're a bad football team. Yeah, bad football team, but I feel like awful is a worse word than bad. I feel like on the Richter scale. I, I mean, like if, the, if, the, if the season ended today, they'd be picking sixth overall. And the he sixth, beat the, the number one pick. defense in the league? I can't I can't say they're too awful. I can't say they're too awful. They've been scoring over since Jalen Hurts has taken over. They haven't scored over 17 points or something like that in the half, and now he's scoring 17 points in the half. So they've been putting up. They've been a better football team with Jalen Hurts as the quarterback. They just, they just lost. The, they, just, they just lost a twenty to a six-win Cowboys team. Come on, the Cowboys. The Cowboys on the way. We've been winning. We beat the 49ers. Oh, 49ers oh, oh, are a, are, are, are a good what? team. Are what? They're what? They're not awful. <laughs> they're they're not good. They're not good. They're six and nine, man. Come on, come on. Let's let's be real. Hey. Everything in the a everything in the NFC East is bad. Don't 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 don't. You know, I feel like you drink. Maybe you drank too much tea this morning. They are historically, from percentage standpoint, the worst division in NFL history. These are facts. These are numbers. Scott, I got a, I got, I got a fact for you. Okay, the last time a team made the uh, NFC team, I don't know about AFC. The last time a NFC team with a losing record made the playoffs, what happened? Well, I think it was the Carolina Panthers, and they ended up playing a team whose quarterback got hurt, and so they got to play a bad football team that, you know, I think it was the, the Cardinals who they didn't even have their starting quarterback in that game. Well, I, you know, so yes, I they, thought they won, it was the— they won, they won a game, but it wasn't I thought like it they, was the Seattle Seahawks. No, no, you see, you know, you, you need to learn more about your football history. Um, <laughs> you need some work. But yeah, they the last time it happened, they beat the Cardinals who were missing their starting quarterback and then the next week they went and lost by two scores to the Seahawks. So um that's what happened and then the time before that, the only two times it happened was uh was Beastquake when the Seahawks beat the Saints and you know, the Saints were out there. If if I was Norm, I'd point out that they were having to run, you know, a, a run, you know, two running backs that they signed off the street that week, but I don't do that. The Saints went and got punked, and they lost. I just point to the facts, despite the fact that they were up to number eight running back on the depth chart. So, that, so, so teams in the playoffs with losing records are two and zero right now. That's what you're telling me. Uh, division winners, I believe. Yeah. That's yes, right. sir. I like my odds, Scott. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna cry when the Giants <laughs> win on Sunday and get in at six and ten. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. All right. Between uh, Cowboys aside. Okay. This okay. is not just Cowboys aside. Okay. I I am rooting for the Giants to get in, not because I like the Giants and it has nothing to do with the Cowboys or Washington. My hope is that the idea of a six-win team getting into the postseason might finally 
might finally cause the owners to reconsider some. Do they really need to host a playoff game? Do we really need this format? Like, is this really a good idea? I'm just rooting for the worst case scenario for the league, and I think a six-win Giants team. While a seven-win team team isn't great, a six-win team that's that's even that's even worse. I mean, six and ten in the playoffs. Oh my god. 10 losses and you're hosting a playoff game. Meanwhile, there's going to be a 10-win team in the AFC that doesn't get in. Possibly an 11-win team that doesn't get in. That's going to be a really bad look for the team. If you've got one team that won five more games than another team and they're sitting at home, meanwhile, a team that lost 10 games is hosting a playoff game. So that's why I'm rooting for it. Well, in the words of Hassan Whiteside, it's a cold world. You better bundle up, Scott, because it's not happening. It's probably not going to happen. But that's what I'm rooting for. <laughs> I didn't say I think it was going to happen, but that's what I'm rooting for. That's what I'm rooting for. Uh, I can't. And who do the Giants play? They play the Eagles. Okay, yeah, nah, I'm not. I'm, yeah, I can't. Yeah, the Eagles are bad. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, the, the, did, did the Jets, as my friend Brad points, did the Jets beat a pair of 10-win teams? Yes. Are they awful? They're worse than awful. Okay, all right. Thank you. That works it off. Thank you. Thank you. ESPN1420.com. Uh, all right. We're going we're gonna to look at the NFC playoff picture when we come back. Separate contenders from pretenders. Now, most of this year I've looked at, um, you know, three to four teams in the NFC as contenders. It's weird. I, I think in the NFC, I don't think any of the teams are as good as Kansas City or Buffalo. But I also think – you can make a, a strong case for three to four teams if, based on matchups, getting to the Super Bowl. Some more than others, but I think there are a few more contenders in the NFC, not because they're necessarily better than the top of the AFC, but their strengths are really, really good, and they each have a weakness that if they lose in the playoffs, I think we all know the reason why they're going to lose. We'll get into that next Norm and I will disagree, of course, because we usually do. Don't go anywhere. It's the great Scott Show, ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. We're right back after this. It's your boy Zion Williamson of the New Orleans Pelicans, and you're listening to The Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Uh, good stuff there. Thank you, Zion. Welcome back into The Great Scott Show again. Shout out uh, LCA. Shout out STM. Four straight state championships for LCA, D3, two straight for STM. They're third from, since 2016. And uh, to the Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer, he's already there, Coach Jim Hightower, now up over, what, 440-plus wins, an undefeated season, and a good entertaining game last night. If you want a recap of all of it, I uh, wrote the story. It's over at ESPN1420.com, but uh, shout-out to them. Karen Crow in action tonight at 6 in the state championship game, and then tomorrow, Acadiana Reckon Rams going for back-to-back state titles Class 5A, we'll have that one for you tomorrow. Pre-game 530, 
kickoff at 6. I'm Scott Prather. That is Norman Locke from Parts Unknown, but he's here to talk some uh, uh, sports with me this morning. We went through the AFC contenders versus pretenders in the NFC, Norm. How many contenders you got? Legit teams where you're like, you know what, this team, they can they can be in the Super Bowl, and it wouldn't surprise me. I got two and a half. I got the Green Bay Packers. You realize they don't have World. half teams, right? You, you asked me, yeah. I mean, I'm half in <laughs> on them being a contender. I don't I don't know yet. I, I have to see, you know, it's the Bucks. The oh, Bucks okay. is the half. Okay, okay. okay I got it's the it's the Green Bay Packers, it's the New Orleans Saints, and the half is the Bucks. Because the Bucs has just been Jekyll and Hyde all season. It's like you you watch them go out there and lay an egg against the Saints, but you go out there and you watch them put Green Bay in a pickle. I, so I don't know what what version am I going to get. Am I going to get Tom Brady throwing four touchdowns and sit down and drink a smoothie? Or I'm going to get Tom Brady throwing three interceptions and going down and, and break up a, a phone? I don't know what I'm going to get out the Bucs. But that's my two and a half teams that I got contenders in the NFC. Pretenders? You, we've been out on the Bears the entire season. I, I don't know if oh, they yeah, make the playoffs, yeah. but the Bears pretenders, the Dallas Cowboys pretenders. <laughs> uh, let's, and, just, let's just say the <laughs> NFC East. We'll just lump it all in there. NFC East pretenders, the Bears pretenders. Um, yeah, I mean, if it's not Green Bay MVP, Aaron Rodgers, if it's not Offensive Player of the Year. Alva Kamara and all the Saints, or the half, the Bucks. I, I really, I really can't take anybody else seriously it's just, in the NFC. It's so much for matchups, right? Um, Seattle's weird, but I, you can't have the last-ranked pass defense in the league and expect no. to get to the Super Bowl in the NFC, no. especially if you got to face Aaron Rodgers. Um, yeah, it, you know, for me, when we were talking about this, I think we did pretender contender back in week eight, and I thought there were four in the NFC. I thought Tampa, Seattle, Saints, Packers. Now, you weren't in on Seattle. You were in on Arizona, but now mm-hmm. we're not in on either, and the Cardinals need help just to get into the playoffs. And Kyler Murray, is, <laughs> as they came out yesterday and said yeah. Kyler Murray is dealing with a leg injury yeah, that, playing Sunday. So. That Rams-Cardinals game is going to be some bad quarterback play, but both teams need a win to get in. <laughs> uh, now, the Rams could still get in with a, with a loss, depending on what happens in the Packers-Bears game, but the Cardinals, they got a win to get in. So, yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's weird. Uh, obviously, no one in the NFC East. Maybe they, maybe they upset Tampa Bay. See, like – the, it's each team. If you look, you said two and a half. Mm-hmm. So between those three teams, Packers, Saints, and Bucks, their most notable wins this year are against one another. Tampa Correct. Bay has one win against the winning team this entire season. One, and that's their win against Green Bay, and it was impressive. Outside of that, you know they've 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 you know they've they played good. They've had their moments, but like beating the Falcons by a few beating the Lions by a bunch, beating the Giants by two. It's not, you know, it. Like, you play keep, the – Keep that same energy, Scott. No, no, Keep look, that same energy. You play the, the team – you play the teams that are on your schedule. Um, for Green Bay, they're, they're – before their win on Sunday night against Tennessee, we both agree their defense is terrible, but it was a very good performance. Their best win is back in week three against the Saints. For the Saints, their best two performances this year are against the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think all three, if you're looking for a moment where you're like, man, that team right there, 
they could win it all. I think you just look at each of their most notable wins, and if that's what's in your head, you tell yourself, well, yeah, they're a contender. I mean, my God, look how good they looked on those days. The problem is those teams haven't looked like that in all the games. Their their weaknesses have showed up. I mean, Green Bay, I maintain, regardless of what you saw on Sunday night, they are a team that is built like a dome team playing outdoors. I mean, if it, if, if Green Bay ends up losing a hold of the one seed, let's say they lose to the Bears and, and the Saints get it, Aaron Rodgers in the Superdome without a crowd or much of a crowd – I think he's more more potent in that offense than he is in the pouring down zone in, in just when it's freezing. Like I really do. I I think I think he would put up more yards and be more dangerous. Not to say he wouldn't be in Green Bay. I mean he plays there often. Don't get me wrong, but like that's how they're built. Now to beat him, you know, you want to be physical and you got to have a good defense. For Tampa Bay, you know, their their secondary is suspect for sure. Um, Brady is is not you know. The Brady that he was years ago, he, he has his moment. And for the Saints, you know, you see him lay the egg they did against against Philly. You see him um, struggle to get first downs against uh, against the Chiefs, you know, and have their defense out there for for ninety eight snaps in a game. And and then you see him have performances where you know a guy scores six rushing touchdowns in a game where they blow out uh, a, a Tampa Bay team that has ten wins. You know, they've all got their weaknesses, Norm, and yet. When they play their A game, when they have when they play their best, they're just they're they're the best team in their conference. It's weird. Like outside of those, if it is someone, I'll be surprised. Look, I, I I'm kind of with you in terms of end a half. I know it's giving you a hard time. I mean, I I don't just I don't expect Tampa Bay to be there. If it's not Green Bay or New Orleans, I should say I'd be surprised. And yet I wouldn't be surprised if either of those teams lose their first game in the playoffs because it only takes one bad performance and then boom. You're out. Go home. And the interior of that Saints offensive line, I know they had a good game on Sunday, but I'm not trusting those guards to go out and play elite football this postseason, not when they have all season long. And, and you better protect Drew Brees if you want to have a shot to, to win it all this year. So the NFC, is it's, it's dicey, man. There's going to be some weird playoff scores in the NFC and some weird games where you're like, how did that team just win that game? And, and after saying now, all that, Norm, I, I still think it's probably going to be Green Bay or New Orleans. I know that's kind of contradicting what I just said, but it's, it's hard. I Put it this way. I don't bet too often on sports, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet any money on an NFC playoff game. I wouldn't. Uh, no, I wouldn't. And the one difference that I, 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 I give to Green Bay and New Orleans versus every other team in the NFC is I truly think that – the Green Bay Packers and the Saints are going to be able to run the in the playoffs. I don't trust the Tampa Bay Buccaneers running the football if they need to. If you got a, if your quarterback isn't isn't having a good game, or you gotta sometimes put that game manager hat on and just run the football and play defense. I don't, I don't think the Bucs can do that. I don't think the Bucs can give uh, Jones twenty carries and, and put the game in his hands. But I do know that they can do it with Aaron Jones and, and Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray. I do know those teams can do that and hit them with the play action with their with their uh, Hall of Fame quarterback. I, I know for a fact it's going to translate with the Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints going in the playoffs. But the Bucks, the anybody out the NFC East, the the Chicago Bears, I, I can't. I don't. I don't. Their running game 
plus their quarterback doesn't put fear in my heart going to the playoffs. The Saints are seventh in the league in rushing. The Packers are eighth. Um, the Saints are on pace right now, depending on what happens in Week 17, but on pace to have the most rushing yards in a season that they've ever had in the Peyton Breeze era. And then you look at the defensive side of things and the run defense, and the Saints are fourth in the league where the Packers, I think, are like 15th. They're middle of the pack. So they give up They give up a little bit more on the ground um, in terms of, of, of pass defense. Uh, the Saints are, I think, they're fifth, and the Packers are sixth. So it's the point is, if they play one another in an NFC title game, regardless if it's in the Superdome or Lambeau Field, the, 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 the national headlines are going to be going in. It's going to be Rodgers mm-hmm. and Brees. It's going to be the quarterbacks. Right. It's the NFL. But you're right, Norm. It's going to be about, and I think in this postseason, really it's going to be about controlling the clock and running the football, man. Because running the football, I, I you know, I think um, the Packers give up about 113 rushing yards on the ground a game. Saints give up 95. They're they're pretty good in in in, in run defense. I think uh, they're fourth, but I mentioned the Packers. But overall, both teams' defenses are are statistically good this year, and both teams have proven all year, despite the fact that maybe the perception is, man, they love to air it out and, and this and that. And look, Rodgers can sling it as, as good as anybody ever. But these teams, I think, are 12-3 are and three and 11-4, and four, and one of the biggest, maybe the biggest reason why is their ability – to run the football effectively. And if they do it in the postseason, it's going to be one of those two teams in the Super Bowl. And both of their running backs have pass-catching abilities. That's another thing that, you know, those two running backs with Jones and Alvin Kamar have over any other running back in the NFC right now. Uh, I don't know his passes, uh, stats offhand, but I know he's up there. And this is his second season of doing it consecutively. Yeah. So it isn't like he's having a fluke season. He has, 40, so he has, I, 43, he has 43 catches this year, um, which, you know, you get close to 50 as a running back. That's, that's pretty dang good. And then Jamal Williams, the other running back on their team, I think has 31. So between the two of them, you know, they, they, they like, they like to get their running backs involved in the passing game. I, I don't want to sign, side with Greg Lorner, but if it came down to the Packers versus the Saints, last time Devontae Adams didn't play, if I'm not mistaken, he's been on a terror for the last couple games. I don't know if I can honestly, even objectively, think the Saints can have a chance if he plays, I'm based on the last game. I'm, you know, how a lot of weeks have have passed from that first matchup yeah. of Green Bay. And both, the Saints. both, I think both teams are are definitely in a better place than they were when they played then, um, defensively. But defensively, man, I, you know, you 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 might not. I'm not. I can't sit here and argue against it. Because um, you know, if you want me, y'all to, have. It's not y'all, y'all. It's the Saints. I'm sorry. The Saints have gotten. The Saints of uh, I could have saw I could have sworn I saw you play quarterback a couple times, but the Saints have have you know like you said they have a three headed rushing attack they got Taysom Hill they got Latavius Murray they got Alvin Kamara could that keep Aaron Rodgers off the field? What I saw last game from the Saints honestly is what I want from the Saints going forward. Like 
limit Drew Brees' touches, dial back that offense because Mike Thomas is going to come off IR, but obviously he hasn't been healthy all season. So him coming off IR, I don't have big hopes. That's the to me for to me Thomas. that's the biggest wild card for the Saints this postseason. Honestly, it's Michael Thomas. Um, you know, Sean Payton said when they put him on IR. We're planning on bringing him back for the playoffs. If it, we were in a situation of when to get in, we would just play him. But the only way this ankle's going to heal is if we just put him down. Now, he's saying that. He could go out in the first playoff game and, you know, it could flare up and he could be done after a quarter. He could be done after a play. Uh, if, if it's the Michael Thomas that, you know, is is at his best, I mean, him and Drew Brees have played, what, one half a quarter together this season? That's it. If that, yeah, if a, a that. half a quarter or, or or one, yeah, one quarter, one game, the first game of the season where, where he had like three catches, right? That's it. Right. That's the only time that I think they played this year. And um, outside of that, if that that's just a big wild card to me because obviously it changes the entire Saints passing game or it opens it up quite a bit more. And if you have uh, Michael Thomas close to his best come playoff time, I think suddenly the Saints offense just you add last you know you had a guy that that caught 149 passes in a season once it changes a lot. He comes back he's hurt or he's not himself or he can't go or he misses time then you kind of get what you've seen lately which is you know what they can put together some drives but you could also have a situation where you have a couple of three and outs and suddenly you're struggling like you did in the Kansas City game. So I think Thomas to me is the biggest wild card for the Saints heading into the postseason in, in terms of what you're going to get out of him. And I know best case scenario, and that's what optimistic fans like to look at. Oh, he'll be back. He'll be great. It'll be fine. There, you can't you, no one no one knows. No one has any idea. Sean Payton doesn't know. Michael Thomas doesn't know. So for anywhere like it's going to be one or the other, you know, I, I we don't know. And that's why I think it's the biggest wild card for the Saints. What what's what's the biggest wild card for Green Bay heading into the postseason? Green Bay, to me, is staying consistent on defense. I think their pass rush kind of disappears a lot. But the one thing that the Green Bay has that is consistent, and Greg's not good, it's the refs. The refs have consistently helped the Green Bay Packers for the last 10 years. It's statistical. It's historical. I, I don't know what to, put, what to put my finger on. I was watching the game yesterday, and I saw some phantom calls. It, I hate it, to it, say it, bro. <laughs> I hate to say it, bro. But I got I got to call the spade a spade. The refs always help the Green Bay Packers. In terms of first down by penalty, um, over the last ten years, I mean, Green Bay is number one, and it's not even and it's not even close. It's not actually. close. That's that's what I, that's why I'm like. It's not. It's not even. It's not even. Close. Close. Um, we're not. We're not making it up, Greg. We're not. <laughs> it's not even. It's not even close. Now, some of that is. Look, it's. You've got. You got Aaron Rodgers, who will just you know sling it up there. Um, some of those is him yeah. drawing a team offside. Some of those mm-hmm. is uh, Aaron Rodgers just you know getting the benefit of the doubt because he's an MVP and a former MVP and but the 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 stats are the stats and when they're. It's one thing when you're in first place in a category by, you know, okay, you're you're slightly above that. It's another thing when you are like miles away from second place, which I think is Baltimore and then third place is like way far away. Over the last 10 years, that's that's not 
that's not just oh man he's really good it's a combination of he's really good and they are they are getting the benefit of the doubt a lot a lot and i i, I wrote it down i don't have my notebook next to me but i watched three calls get called in the in the favor of green bay that was just absurd i'm sitting there i don't see greg on the timeline talking about this one i, I that's all i gotta say i i I, you know, we will, but the stats show that they're going to get some help this this uh, this playoff run. <laughs> he like he likes to point out when something goes against him, like it happens, and it's like, oh, it's a good call, man. It's a good call. Yeah. yeah. But um, what is, is it? Is it, is it the G? Is it the G on the side of the helmet? Like what? Is, like what is it? I think it's because they don't have an owner, so they don't have like one specific person that that they can just like hate or go to since it's this sister I, I think that's what it is it's like you know, don't man don't they don't have know. an owner so it's like you know you can't be like oh jerry jones is paying paying the refs why, off why, why would well, I, you, you can't say the city of green bay you know is paying the refs off the citizens yeah i don't i don't get it man i don't get it it is what it is now with the re with, with tampa bay though the only recipe that i can see them being successful is if Tom Brady just hits this magical switch in the playoffs, like, uh, you know, I've seen Antonio Brown get two consecutive touchdowns in the past two weeks. If he hits this, that, that goat switch and starts a terror, then, you know, they, the, the NFL has a, has a problem, but it's like a 5% chance. Cause you, if it was Tom Brady's decision to hit the switch, he would have hit the switch a long time oh, ago. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, the bucks are in the playoffs for the first time since 2000. In seven, that that's everyone talks about. Oh, the Browns hadn't been since '02 and all. It, it's the first time. So, you know who their quarterback, who their starting quarterback in the playoffs was that year? Two thousand seven. Uh, now they, they had um, they had different starting quarterbacks that season. But you know who started the playoff game for them? Mike Glennon. No, 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 no. I don't think Glennon was. This is this is this is thirteen years Johnson? ago, Norm. That's what I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Like Jeff oh, Garcia. That's my guy. Uh, apparently not, because you didn't even know that he started a playoff game in two. No, he he, he played for like 15 teams, Scott. Late, late, <laughs> late in his career, he played a lot. Yeah, the uh, the Bucks in uh, in 07. Now Chris Sims was their quarterback for part of that season, and then you know he. I think that's when his spleen burst, and apparently he lost some brain cells when it happened too with some of that guy's takes. Yeah. But uh, but no, Garcia led the team to a NFC South Division title, um, and they lost to the Giants, I think, by ten in a wild card game, um, and then you know I think Garcia got hurt after that. But point is, he was I, Josh McCown before Josh McCown. No, no, no. Garcia was much better than Josh McCown. No, but I'm that. saying in the sense of of a I mean, traveler guy, quarterback. That, that guy, that guy was spot. a four time Pro Bowler and and. He made his way through the CFL and and played really good for the Niners back in the early 2000s. But I mean, McCown, McCown was a starter, but he was never like a. No one was ever like that guy's a so, pro bowler. So, so Jeff Garcia or Larry Fitzgerald? I mean, not Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitz. Wait, what? Jeff Garcia or Fitz Magic? Oh, Garcia by a mile in terms of okay. at his best. And I, I'm not a Garcia fan. I mean, he was on the Niners, and I was so sick of them constantly having a good quarterback for like 30 years. But but no, he, when Garcia was playing his best football, he was um, when he was with the Niners in, in late '90s, early 2000s. That guy was 
That guy was a pro bowler and not like a, an eighth alternate. I mean, a legit, a legit pro bowler. So late in his career, he was, you know, he was just a guy hanging on, trying to do something. But, you know, he, he took over for McNabb when he got hurt in 06 with the Eagles, got into the playoffs. I watched him take the Saints to the limit. Saints won, beat the Eagles in the playoffs that year, but Garcia was good. He, the next year, he led Tampa to the last time they were in the playoffs. So he was a, he was a good player. He, um, you know, but I think the fact that the Bucks haven't been in the to the playoffs in 13 years until this year, no one thinks about Tampa like that. Like well, you, I, I th- everyone brings up, like I said, you'll bring up another team's playoff drought constantly. I hadn't heard anyone bring up Tampa not being in the playoffs in you know 13 years until they clinched a playoff spot. And I, I honestly, Norm, I think, I think part of that is. When you win a Super Bowl, unless it's like forty years ago, and I know the Bucks won one eighteen years ago, but when you win a when you win a Super Bowl, and it's just I almost feel like 10, 20 years can go by, and you can be a bad team, but you you almost get not a pass, you just don't get thought of as an atrocious football team. Whereas I, I the like Browns, if they if the Browns had won a Super Bowl in like 03, but it'd been like pretty lousy ever since then, no one is constantly, perpetually bringing up the bad luck and how crappy the Browns are all the time, right? Yeah, it's kind of like a reset, but like you say, it's kind of like you know you get you get a couple quarterbacks, you get a couple bad seasons, a bad couple bad picks, it's a reset button, you know, like uh, the Ravens, you know, they won in 2000, and then it was wasn't you know. They were pretty good. It wasn't bad. No, yeah, they, I, they, I was they, about to say they weren't. They, they weren't to, bad, but they went to the playoffs, you know. But you, you get you hit a reset button for a couple teams. Like only team that I'm gonna say that didn't get a chance to get the reset button and people just harpered on was the the New York Football Giants. You know, Eli won those two, but immediately after winning those Super Bowls, it was like, bro, the Giants are bad. <laughs> yeah, but no one no one talks about like their their. You're, but it's more. I think part of that you're not wrong. Part of that is the is the fact that they're in New York, and part of that I think is um, Eli Manning, the name. Like no one talks about, you know, gosh, boy, this this vagabond franchise that can't get anything done, and the Giants in the mix, or no one's like, God, it's been so long since they've done anything. People will talk about how bad they are in the moment, but no one brings up how historically bad they've been. Tampa Bay, outside of a couple of years in the late 90s under Dungy and outside of the Super Bowl season with Gruden has been a really bad franchise historically. No. I mean the Cream Sickles they were they were the worst team in the league for for oh, yeah. years. The Cream Sickles. And 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 then you know they haven't been in the playoffs in 13 years and between between their Super Bowl win and the playoffs in 07 it's not like they were they were in the playoffs each year performing at a high level. My point is they have been bad for the majority of their existence, but that one Super Bowl keeps them from getting brought up as, boy, this franchise is just, for the most part, almost always bad. No one talks about the Bucks like that, and it's all because of that. One Super Bowl can change absolutely everything for a franchise. You know, you know who we should ask that question about, ask that question to? The New Orleans Saints. Because one Super Bowl can't change the franchise. I saw a stat, Scott, that the Saints have won seven division titles in the last 15 years. And only two before the last 15 years. Yeah, that's true. Well, in the, yes, 2091. Historically, pre-06, the Saints were a bad franchise. The difference is 
they've been a pretty good franchise the last 14 years. You've had some 7-9 seasons in there. I'm not going to disregard that. But you just pointed out the things they've done over the last 14 years. That's why they don't get brought up like the Bucks should. Because while if well, you, you want to s- take the Saints' entire history, there's more bad than good. There's no question. But compared comparatively to the Bucks, I mean, the Bucks had like a five-year stretch and then a blip here and there. They never had a decade plus where you're like, boy, they're there's still a team to be to factor in. There's still a team you might not want to mess with. There's still this. There's still that. That's the difference, right? That's why. That's why. That's why. You said a five-year stretch, to. right? You say a five-year stretch where the Bucks were, let's say, good. Okay. Yeah, they were. They were good. Uh, okay, in the fifteen-year stretch of the Saints being good, how many of those fifteen years do you say the Saints were? If you want to look, if you want to look at good stretches for the Saints. You okay. can look at you can look at eighty seven and ninety one where they had multiple double digit win seasons, wanted finally won a division, happened okay. to be playing in a division with the best team in in probably all of North American sports with the Niners. But the the Dome Patrol is good. Now they didn't win a playoff game, so I can't. I mean, you you can you can point that out, but they were good. Uh, okay. Outside of that, you had a blip in two thousand from oh six. They were good. 09 to they were good. 09 to 2013 they were good with the one year that the, the league basically took away from them. And then 27 to 2020 they've they've won um, more games than I think anybody in the NFL. So those that's a lot different than the Bucks having one good stretch of five years in their entire franchise history. But that's you know aside from the Dome Patrol that sounds like about. The Saints Six were years? the Saints were horrible for twenty years, bro. I mean, that you're not you're not you're not laying out any new information here. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but, I'm just comparing. comparing I mean, it, the franchise it to the Bucks. The Bucks. How long have the franchise? Have, how long has the Bucks has been the franchise? What maybe 19, like thirty 19, years? Nineteen seventy six. That's so. How many years is that? I'm sorry, I'm not I'm horrible at math. That would be forty four years. So 44 years, they've had maybe five good seasons. You know what? I, I'm probably not being fair. They they had a stretch in the early 70s, uh, in the in the late se- late 70s, early 80s. So they've they've had two stretches where they were okay. This this is a team you don't you know this is a team you don't want to mess with. I mean, because I I literally only see the you know yes the, the again I'm not trying to back the Bucks in no 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 type of way. Uh, just because I don't even know how Gruden won that Super Bowl with Tony Dunkley. But uh Well let's let's look at it like this, Norm. Let's look at it like this. Getting back to my original point before you hijacked it and somehow made it about the Saints, you're actually <laughs> you're actually furthering my point here. What one Super Bowl can do for a franchise. Because no, no, I'm agreeing. how how much do the Atlanta Falcons get absolutely roasted by everyone? Oh <sighs> man. I, I don't even think a, a Super Bowl would help them at this point. <laughs> no, it would. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we joke. It would. It would. It would. It can. It can. It can change everything for a team. You know, the Falcons. I think I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'd be willing to bet that historically they might have more wins all time than both the Saints and the Bucks do. I'll have to look that up. But but like, you look at the Falcons. You look at that logo. You're like, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's, oh. Oh, you know what right I'm now it's, it's, it's walking Dave Chappelle. It's walking Peter Griffin. That's what I look at. It's a walking joke. One Super Bowl can change everything, and if and if a team you know can get that one, like like getting back to what we started the hour with, we're up against it. So we're about to take a break. If somehow the Buffalo Bills can finally get that Super Bowl, it just it changes everything for them. It changes everything for them. 
moving nah, forward, the, not just in the present, but in the future as well. If the Bills were to get a Super Bowl from the hands of, you know, let's let's say Drew Brees, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, if the Bills come out and get a Super Bowl after defeating those three, I don't know how we can't celebrate the Bills. You know, like that French, like that franchise should be happy to have lost the other four to win this one. Uh the Saints have more wins than the Falcons um, and have been around for, I think, one year less, if I'm not mistaken, um, as I'm looking up the numbers. They have 20 more wins all time or 17 more wins all time. And then the Bucks, they have a lot less, but they've been around nine years less. So, again, you know, a Super Bowl can change everything for a team, for a franchise. Uh, I don't know when when the, the, the clock runs out on that. I don't know when suddenly it's like, okay, you know, we need to look at them as a perennial loser, but it just it changes it all, man. It changes it all. Like the the Lions are a perennial loser. If they ever win a Super Bowl, I think I think it doesn't suddenly wipe away all their years of not being good, but they are viewed by all and 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 fans around the league completely different than they than they are. It's just the Vikings have had a good have had plenty of good seasons, Norm. They've never won a Super Bowl, man. That thing is just hanging over them, and folks look at you know their close losses as opposed to some of their better wins, man. Winning, just win it all. That's what it's about. It's about the chip, like you like the Dallas Cowboys. They haven't been you know they haven't been all that great the last twenty years, but they're one of the most successful franchises ever in terms of Super Bowl championships. So we look at well, Dallas a lot different than we would otherwise. You get a you get the benefit of the doubt with Dallas when you when you have a dynasty. It's it's you know it's different. If I if it would have just been one Super Bowl, it would have been you know like you said you could cast it off. But when you're a dynasty, that doesn't happen often in the NFL. Winning multiple rings in a stretch, uh, I think the Patriots was the, the, as the last the, team to, to do it. To, to your to your point. The 49ers have had they've had look they were in the Super Bowl last year they're in the Super Bowl under Harbaugh. Look 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 at what they did between that time. Look at what they did pre-Harbaugh. Look at freaking Tom Sula and and and, and Mike <laughs> Nolan and Mike Singletary. I mean, I'm talking bad awful football. No one looked at the Niners as as a failure of a franchise even even in their even in their their worst of times because they multiple dynasty once. It changes everything, man. It, it does changes everything. It does. So uh, hopefully, um, the Atlanta Falcons in the next oh god, century. Don't, no, no, no. Don't, don't, <laughs> I gotta no. give them a century. No, I can't no. give them a century. No, you can't give them anything. <laughs> they, need, they, they need to. They need to just go away. You know, the biggest factor though with with the Falcons just being horrible is uh, now I can't speak pre Drew Brees because again that that's on them. But in the Drew Brees era, man, like. You look at the NFC South. It's it was it's ooh, it's hard beating them Saints, Scott. <laughs> the Saints. You know what? It's, the, the, it's hard the, beating them Saints. The Saints have a chance on Sunday to do something that's never been done in the NFC South, and that sweet. That's never been done by any team. No team has ever won every divisional game in a single season before in the NFC South. So, Saints have a chance to do it Sunday, and um, and while rest is probably what's best for them. They're going to go for the win because they still have a chance at a one seed. I don't think they're going to get it because I don't think the Bears are going to beat the Packers, but we'll see. We're going to take a timeout. We'll come back. 
Hey, which Raging Cajuns have announced they're coming back for another year? We'll dig into that. Brandon Ingram, only three games in. NBA Western Conference Player of the Week. He's balling. Little Pell's talk. I'm Scott. That's Norm. Don't go anywhere. We're back after this. Acadiana's best sports leader. Football. Baseball. Basketball. ESPN 1420. KPEL. Lafayette. Insurance claims must be properly documented. Having the right attorney can make all the difference in the world. Spencer Callahan is the one to see. Call 4652323. Primary office in Baton Rouge. Need a job? We've got them. Lofton Staffing Services has immediate openings for security guards, warehouse workers, order pickers and fillers, landscapers and groundskeepers, shipping clerks, general laborers and logistics coordinators. These are great paying positions, working for great companies. You can work full-time or part-time. There's no fee, and at Lofton, you get paid the week you work. Call Often staffing services right now at 269-0500. That's 269-0500. Lofton Staffing Services. Business owners, did you know 81% of consumers search for a business's website online prior to making a purchase? No website, no problem. My name is Lori Foreman, and I work for this amazing radio station and can help your business get a professional, affordable website with no contract. Give me a call at 257-1987, and let me help your business stand above your competition with a new professional website that's mobile-friendly and secure. I can also help you promote your business on streaming TVs, YouTube. He thinks Drew Brees should run for president. With Zion Williamson as his running mate. I vote yes. It's The Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Scott Show, the great sports callers open think tank. Scott Prather hanging out with Norman Locke this morning. No vehicle accidents on the roads to report at this time. Stay safe out there, everybody. A couple of days left in the year of our Lord 2020. Here's what we got on the airwaves for you today. Um, we've got the rest of the great Scott Show. Beyond the Game with Steve Pelequin, Greeny. Max Kellerman, Brad Topham. Top's going to do an hour of the word with G. Then we've got the Cheez-It Bowl followed by the Alamo Bowl. All the coverage via ESPN Radio right here on ESP at 1420. Norm, the yesterday we played the, uh, the rebroadcast of the first responders bowl. Cajuns victorious, 10 wins, likely going to finish in the top 15 this year. And, um, you know, I... 
all the talk of Coastal and them not wanting to play and then playing and losing and every other Sunbelt team winning. I mean, the way last weekend played out for Cajun fans after the disappointment uh, began to wear off a little bit about not getting to play the conference championship game, for Cajun fans, the way last weekend played out was um, was exactly the way that they hoped it would. Is that fair to say? Oh, Scott, I'm going to say that night will I will forever hold dear in my heart at Cajun Nation. The amount of trolling that was going on, it was, oh, Scott, I, I had two Christmases this year. I had two birthdays this year. When I saw you, when I saw everybody trolling, it made my shedding tears writing them, them tweets, Scott. While I was drinking Coastal Carolina tears, I was crying tears of joy. I was just, I was just putting out statistics, nothing other than that. Hey, you, hey, <laughs> and that's all we were doing. That's all we were doing. Uh, the, uh, yeah, um. Cajuns get the win, and now, you know, a lot of folks have been curious about who's coming back. Um, Lorenzo McCaskill, Elijah Mitchell, they we got to speak to them after the game via Zoom. Neither said whether or not they were. Both are seniors, and uh, I personally, I don't think Eli is because I think he can get drafted, and, uh, you know, I know he's a young father, and he's a great player, and I think he can play at the next level. I don't have any inside information. He said, you know, he's going to talk to his family about it and uh, make a decision. Taylon Humphrey is coming back. Big sauce. I mean, this is a guy that barely ended up here in the first place. You know, came from uh, FAU, ends up, you know, he's a Texas kid, Juco FAU, then ends up here, and now it's a whole nother year. And that guy, I'm telling you, you saw it as the season went on, a difference maker at nose guard, uh, just a, an incredible athlete for a guy his size. Ken Marks, I mean, that guy was already a um, – you know, a guy that I think was a, a fifth or sixth year senior, he's coming back. We already knew Levi Lewis was coming back. Uh, so they're, they've they got a lot of players that are starting to, um, you know, starting. Uh, Cameron Solomon uh, is coming back. So some of these guys are starting to make these decisions. Chauncey Manack, there's another big one, right? Uh, a Georgia kid that has that proven to be a difference maker. So. I think so far, I don't, I don't know, you know, how many of these guys are going to make the, the announcement today, but I think here over the next week or so, you're going to start to see exactly what the 2021 roster is going to look like. And, you know, to have those kind of starting impact players already announced they're coming back, the expectations in 2021 are going to be just as high. The standard's been set 11-3 and last year, 10-1 and this year. First time you got back-to-back double-digit win seasons. They're going, they're going for back-to-back to back next year. Coach Napier staying put, you know, committed despite interest from programs like Auburn, who, you know, r- reportedly and then folks I talked to wanted to have a little bit more control on the staff and things like that. And and Billy's like, listen, I, we don't even need to talk anymore. We're, I'm, I'm, I'm committed to the culture, staying put for now. And they just this program, I think. To play in network TV in a bowl game last Saturday, ranked 16th in the country with one loss all season to a team that prior to that hadn't lost a game. I I think 10 years ago, Norm, everyone, if you would have said, look, a decade from now, UL's going to play in a bowl game on network TV, uh, a bowl game that doesn't have a Sunbelt tie-in, but uh, a Big Ten tie-in. They're going to play in a a Big 12 tie-in. They're going to play in a bowl game on network TV. They're going to be ranked 16th in the country. And, uh, and none of it's going to be a surprise. It's all going to be an expectation. 
that tells you about the legitimate, methodical build that Coach Napier, his staff, and this entire team has put together here in three years. Year four, man, sky's the limit. Sky is the limit. Uh, like you said, the job that Billy Napier did coming after, you know, Coach Hud bringing us to our first bowl win and, you know, cleaning up the program after the kind of like a little dark, dark couple, a dark season after Hud. Uh, Hud's last year speaking, but, you know, the Cajuns, I, like I said, these group of guys, the camaraderie, the, the, the adversity that they, they went through with this entire COVID season. My hat's off is to Billy Napier and the entire staff, to, to the, you know, the university. Just because, you know, dealing with COVID, everything had to be fluid each week. And the guys made it happen, even with, you know, missing a lot of key players, even with getting one game canceled, even getting over the hump of, you know, the Teal Chickens, not wanting to play in the championship game. Hats off to these guys. They deserve it. They deserve this much-needed rest. And they deserve to come back next season and, and open up that can right back up on the, the entire Sunbelt. ESPN1420.com. Uh, Rage Occasion Hoops getting back underway this week. Uh, the conference schedule begins this Friday. Rage Occasion Women's Hoops. Uh, taking on Texas State Friday and Saturday. The men as well, and those games can be heard. Uh, women's games here on ESPN 1420 this Friday and Saturday. The men over on News Talk 96.5 now, KPL. I got a question, though, Scott. I saw Coastal Carolina with the Sunbelt Championship trophy. Now, I know the college football playoffs and ESPN dubbed them the Sunbelt Champion for the purposes of them not getting in a New Year's Six Bowl. But what is the, what is, what, now that the dust has settled, is that still the same or are the, the, the co champions? The, the conference will be sending a trophy to the Cajuns. Yeah, they'll oh. have one soon. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's a, it's the conference is calling them co champions for conference purposes. And then they, I mean, it's all just dumb semantics, but that's how Keith Gill explained it. No, for a college football playoff purposes, they're this, but for conference purposes, they're this. Okay. Sounds like you're okay. trying to just have it both ways, but it didn't matter anyway because Cincinnati won and Coastal didn't go to New Year's Six, and they lost to Liberty anyway. So good for them. Way to go. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I, why, wouldn't they, why would they be afraid to play and it doesn't matter and they beat them already? And, yeah, look – I don't blame anyone who thinks they were skirting it when the coach stood to potentially, you know, earn more than a million more dollars, which could have been gone if he had lost to the Cajuns. When the coach says, man, we shouldn't have had to play Troy. When the coach said we shouldn't have to play a team we've already beaten. When they say it's COVID related and then you've got a bunch of players in the stands of the bowl in Myrtle Beach that App State was in without masks, all talking trash on the sideline. And then the coach getting on TV and, and still complaining and whining. So, like, I don't. No, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and, and and buy into this whole idea of oh really? No, they didn't care. They were just doing all of this. Like follow all the evidence and make a decision. Other than just say oh well, you know they already beat them. So I mean, why would they do this evidence and then and then you know form an opinion that way? Don't just go with a gut instinct. Watch how watch everything that played out before and after. Look at the contracts. Look at the incentives built into it. Look at all of that and then make your decision. And if you still believe a certain way, okay, to each his own. That's all. 
Yeah, that, hey, you, you summed it up better than me, Scott, because, uh, you know, all I do is I handle the online matters. And I just saw, <laughs> I saw a bunch of Coastal Carolina Chanticleer players for the last, like, two weeks going in on Twitter. And I, you know, I, here in Cajun country, we don't do that. I've never seen the UL players or even LSU players. Hell, I've never seen Tulane players get on social media and talk the amount of trash that I've seen the mullets do the past two weeks. So, hey, all I got to say is you made your bed, you got to lay in it. Cajun's got two trophies and a ring, two rings coming home. I can't say the same about the Chanticleers. ESPN1420.com. Uh, phone lines are open at 269-1077. Smoke them if you got them. 269-1077. Let's, uh, let's take a phone call. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Good morning. Hi, guys. How you doing? We're good. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I can't, I'm good. I can't hear it. So I got a question. I, I understand that Coastal Carolina is a feel-good. Losing is a feel-good for most people that are UL fans. But is Coastal Carolina good? Is the loss good for the conference? I mean, they, they, they were ranked what? They were ranked nine or ten. To answer your question, overall, it would have been better for the Sun Belt, but the Sun Belt still had an historic year, and I don't think that. I I I don't think that uh, the way they acted that put it this way. If you if you're on if you're online a lot, every other fan base in the Sun Belt, with the exception of Arkansas State, were all rooting against Coastal Carolina in that bowl game, and I think that should tell you about how most felt about the way they were carrying themselves, despite the fact that it wasn't better for the conference. They were still actively rooting against them because they just didn't like them for a number. You know, no, no, I understand that. I understand the reasons why, and, and it's perfect. It's perfectly natural. But I'm just saying the the, the the conference's argument was we deserved better bowl games, right? And by 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 Coastal Carolina losing, there's people on the committee that can say we were right. They they didn't deserve a better bowl game. They lost you to know a, what? is Liberty. You're, I mean, I didn't know much about Liberty. That's Liberty, Liberty, rank, Liberty, right? Liberty will finish in the top 25. They only lost two games this year, and they were they ranked will. in the top 25 okay. earlier this year. So they, they were, they were, they were a good. I mean, there are some teams in bowl games with losing records. Liberty is not one of those uh, bad teams. But I, I don't think. Look, whether whether Cincinnati wins or loses against Georgia, whether it was Cincinnati or Coastal, like the, the, to to think that it, that a single game is going to change the mind of anyone on the committee. With respect, sir, I, I just think that's silly. I think I think you know what the committee mindset's going to be, regardless of the outcome on the field. They proved all year that whatever unfolds on the field doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. It's a P five Invitational. Right. Okay. Okay. I got a question for you, buddy. There, he's a Dallas fan, right? I don't oh. know why, but yes, he's a Cowboys fan for some ridiculous reason. So, so, so if if Philly wins and they win, Dallas gets in. Uh, yes. Yes. Correct? Yes. That is correct. So they're gonna and they're gonna play either. I don't think there's any way they can play. They would probably play uh, Tampa Bay. There's Seattle. a possibility that they could play the Rams, but they'd probably okay. whoever comes out of the oh, NFC that's East that's is most likely gonna play Tampa Bay, but could possibly play the Rams. Okay. All right. Do you think you got a shot against the against Tampa Bay? <laughs> Come on, Norm. 
Uh, shot of whiskey. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Packer guy, okay? So, I, I mean, I'm just asking, do you, do you think you got a shot? I mean, we got, I got, we, I, I'm going to take shots during the game. I'll tell you that. I think I I, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say something. I wouldn't bet on it, but but Tampa is vulnerable. Tampa is a team that Tampa is a team that could lose on any given Sunday. Honestly, uh, with that secondary, I wouldn't bet on it. But yeah, that would that whoever comes out of the NFC East will have a shot to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I believe. And that. the only reason we have a shot is because our defensive line has so, been playing. Our defensive line has been playing better the last four weeks. And that's the only shot that I give us against the I Tampa mean, Bay Bucks. They, they, they got, they got, they got a shot. All right, what we got, we got a bunch of lines lit up. Let's keep going on the phone Let's calls. Go. Welcome into the show. Hello. Hi. Um, how much you think? How much you think um, the Texans could get for JJ Watts? Because I think it's, it's time for him to go. How, how much you think they can get for him? Not a ton, maybe, honestly. Maybe like a, a, a third and a fifth. Yeah, hey man, you know what? I always, I always defended him when when people call him corny, this and that. But when he pulled Sunday, that was corny. Uh, I, I didn't, you know, when some players come out and, and, and some coaches come out and talk like you can hear it, like, oh, you know, they kind of, you know, being genuine. This dude said this because he just put it out there, man. And, and then if he he's saying we make all this money, blah blah, dude, you have five and a half sacks. <laughs> you get how much you getting paid, and I'm not one of those type of guys. But since you want to put, since he wanted to put it out there, what are you doing? If if you want to talk about how much money, so I got I, was he projecting? Was he talking about himself? Maybe man, get out of here, man. And, and, and Norm, I, I read, I saw, I saw some of your stuff on social media. <laughs> Booger McFarland, come oh, on, man, man. Uh, no, no. You know, yeah. what Dwayne Haskins no. did, what, what Dwayne Haskins did. What they shouldn't speak for no other player in the, that's coming in this league. I think – You I, know what I, I'm – No, no, look, we could talk about it. I mean, the fact that Booger said specifically young black players are are more interested in, in branding than competing um, – I think when you when you when you use they language and ignore other things and don't and, and it's it's true of everybody. I mean, you're talking about IG and branding. Like every every the, every football team uses it. It's not just the players; the teams all use it, and they encourage they encourage business. Yeah, like they 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 encourage this. Um, so I you know I mean I'll let you guys speak on it, but but yes, I mean I th- I think. I didn't. I didn't like what Booger said either. But I'll let you guys speak on it. Yeah, this I mean, is what I don't like, Scott. And look, man, I, st- I, this is what I don't like. If I mess up, I mess up. I, I, I shouldn't. Oh, there they go, another black dude again. But you know how you can't trust him. Wait, what? Man, that's Dwayne Haskins. He's an idiot. That'll make that'll make all the other black people an idiot. You know, he's a dummy. And if you want to, you know, I, this the whole idea is. Dwayne Haskins shouldn't be this guy. He's making it bad for the rest of them. Man, that, that type of talk is foolish, man. And, and Booger McFarlane, that's why he's getting ripped for, for what he's saying. And you got, you got when, when you make comments like that, you got to see who's really supporting you and who's not. <clears throat> Excuse me. And a lot of people that support him could care less about him or any, or any other opinion that he might have or he might share. But like, like I said, man, it, it, it's – I guess he just want to keep a job. You know, that's a, that's a good way to keep a job by by making comments like that. 
I guess I can understand in some sense what he's trying to say, but nah, man. You, you better talk to that man personally before you try to go in the airway because he's already getting smashed, rightfully so, because the way he has, he needs to grow up, man. All right, thank y'all. Nah, like, uh, my, my problem is, is, like, Dwayne Haskins, his, <laughs> he didn't even get cut for wanting to build his brand. He got cut for being a bad quarterback and going to the strip club. <laughs> you know, like, that, like, Booger, what are you even talking about? Like, every, I see 13-year-old bitty ball players posting TikToks and videos, and it's not racially based. It's just the times. And Booker, you played twenty, you played like twenty plus years ago. They didn't have the internet, and guys were doing way. I wonder if they had a, a cell phone in Michael Irvin's locker room. What would have been on social media? A lot of cocaine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Leaf. What what would have been on Ryan Leaf's Instagram? A lot of drugs. You see what I'm saying? A lot of drugs. Uh, yeah. Ben Roethlisberger's first four years in the league. Uh. It made a lot of headlines. You see what I'm saying? Like, I think. I think. I think. To Jay's point, like it's it's about Dwayne Haskins not being good, not taking the job seriously, and playing his way out of a job. Um, but resorting it to, you know, ethnicity is just. It's not. It's, it's not cringy. a good look. It's not a good look. It's very cringy. Yeah, and, uh, and now the. F- I mean, I, I just. And and I and I don't I don't think Booker's Booker's football analysis, despite the fact that he got ripped on Monday Night Football a lot, I don't think it's I don't think it's bad. But I I thought that analysis last night was that was bad. That was bad. No, oh, yeah. Oh, and then he asked for the camera to cut away and look straight at him. I'm like, Booger, you do <laughs> don't do it, don't do it. Oh, All right, it. 32 after the hour. We'll take a quick timeout. Come back, take a look at uh, two one state titles last night. Two more have a chance to win. To, uh, tonight and tomorrow, the Pelicans are off to a great start. Yeah, I know it's just three games. I should say maybe not the Pelicans, although technically they're actually first place in the Western Conference. Stop the count. Brandon Ingram is off to a great start. we got to talk about B.I. a little bit next right here on ESPN 1420 and .com. Need a job? We've got them. Lofton Staffing Services has immediate openings for security guards, warehouse workers, order pickers and fillers, landscapers and groundskeepers, shipping clerks, general laborers, and logistics coordinators. These are great paying positions, working for great companies. You can work full-time or part-time. There's no fee, and at Lofton, you get paid the week you work. Call Lofton Staffing Services right now at 269-0500. That's 269-0500. Lofton Staffing Services. With the most active flu season in recent years, it's everyone's responsibility to ensure your home and business are cleaned properly. For over 40 years, Advanced Chemical and Janitorial Supply has been providing the best for their customers in the Acadiana area. Whether you are a janitorial company looking for a local supplier, a business looking for a better clean, or you simply want your home cleaned and protected, Advanced Chemical can provide you with the products and knowledge to give you the confidence that your home or business is the cleanest it can be. Start your spring cleaning with a trip to Advanced Chemical and Janitorial Supply at 101 East 3rd Street in Lafayette or call them at 235-1561. end of the year cooking tips from Piggly Wiggly. Take a holiday cooking class. They're easy, they're fun, and they're And although you won't get a doctorate in cooking before New Year's, you can definitely brag that you've been to a culinary school, even if it's only for a few minutes. And every meal doesn't have to scream turkey and dressing. A good pasta meal with a fine wine can be pretty festive, and it's as simple as opening a jar, boiling some water, and lighting some candles. Heck, you can pretend you're one of those dogs sucking spaghetti and lady in the tramp. Happy holidays for Piggly Wiggly. For more great ideas, visit gotothepig.com. It's holiday savings time this week at your locally owned and operated Piggly Wiggly. 
Best Choice Vegetables in select varieties, two cans for a dollar. Supreme Rice Medium or Long Grain, two five-pound bags for $5. And Community Coffee, select varieties, just $3.99. At Piggly Wiggly, in Opelousas, Rain, Church Point, Scott, and Cecilia. Prices good through December 29th. Need a job? We've got them. Lofton Staffing Services has immediate openings for security guards, warehouse workers, orders, landscapers and groundskeepers, shipping clerks, general laborers, and logistics coordinators. These are great paying positions, working for great companies. You can work full-time or part-time. There's no fee, and at Lofton, you get paid the week you work. Call Lofton Staffing Services right now at 269-0500. That's 269-0500. Lofton Staffing Services. Imaging. What we try to tell everybody is use all of your, your real estate that you have. How can you communicate with your customers using the space you already have? Here's Speed Pro Imaging owner Chuck Lane. When I say real estate, I'm, I'm talking about anything from ceilings to walls to floors to your outside brick veneer. We have products that can go on that to your message out there. Speed Pro Imaging. Great big graphics. Some real off-the-wall types of things is a bathroom stall in a restaurant. People wouldn't normally think of that to be an advertising space. Floor graphics are a great way to get the attention and give direction to your customer. You know, whether it's a supermarket and it's a produce section or whether it's schools or hospitals that need to get you from point A to point B. Speed Pro Imaging makes great big graphics affordable. We've organized financing for our customers. Instead of having to pay that all up front, you can lay it out over the life of the product. Speed Pro Imaging, great big graphics. Visit SpeedProAcadiana.com. If you own a small business, you know how hard it can be to find new customers. But maybe you're unaware of new tools that can help your business stand out. Go to GetLocalCustomersNow.com for a free market competitive that will show you what other businesses are doing to find new customers and how you can do it too. There's no cost and no obligation. Be one of the first business owners to sign up and receive $500 in free advertising on this station. Get started today. Visit GetLocalCustomersNow.com. That's GetLocalCustomersNow.com. The ESPN 1420 app is waiting for you to tap it. One little finger, one little finger, one little finger, tap, tap, tap. Listen to Louisiana Raging Cajun Sports, along with the best sports talk on the bayou. Tap that app. Let's go, let's do it. The ESPN 1420 app, available for download in the iTunes App Store or Google Play. The Great Scott Show. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response, close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. On Sports Radio ESPN 1420. May God have mercy on your soul. the great scott show the great sports callers open think tank i'm scott that's norman got an email from charles he says scott hadn't been listening did you give some love to my sdm cougars we did bring that up charles thanks for listening now Uh, stm winning their second consecutive state championship yesterday and um 35 28 very entertaining game walker howard was great jack betch was amazing both those guys are lsu signees Paxton Perrette with a pair of touchdown catches. A game that was exciting. I mean, De La Salle took in the fourth quarter by a point. Um, their running back had four rushing touchdowns, but 
in the end, uh, STM got out of there with the W, turning them away on fourth down with 30 seconds left, around the 23-yard line. So a lot of entertainment, uh, back-to-back titles for them. And uh, for Coach Jim Hightower, another win, another state championship, his fourth of his career. He won one all the way back in 1978 as the head coach of Catholic Point Capi. So he's been doing it for a little while. And uh, STM won their third since 2016. LCA won their fourth in a row, 12-7. Hard-fought game yesterday. Karen Crow in action today. Good luck to uh, the uh, the Bears. And then Acadiana tomorrow looking for back-to-back state titles. And we will have that game for you uh, over uh, right here on our airwaves. 5.30 pregame, 6 o'clock kickoff tomorrow night. I'm Scott Prather. That's Norman Locke. High school football in late December is just one of the many weird things in 2020, right, Norm? Oh, it's definitely, definitely weird. Like, when I was seeing updates from the high school football championship, I'm like, there's, there's a high school football championship going on right now? <laughs> That's it. But again, shout out to LC, shout out to STM Cool, because I got two uh, classmates who uh, went to UL with there uh, on the coaching staff for LCA. So shout out to them. All right, ESPN 1420-269-1077. Going to talk about Brandon Ingram in just a moment. I uh, got a couple of lines lit up. We want to let folks have their say. Welcome into the show. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome into the program. Hello. Hello. And goodbye. I guess we got, got lost in the sauce. Dude, uh, Western Conference Player of the Week, Brandon Ingram. B.I. I listened to uh, – Brandon doesn't talk publicly very much. He did uh, J.J. Reddick's podcast, and I listened to it yesterday. And, man, I, I got to remind myself that this guy is only 23 years old. Um, you know, there was a knock on B.I. when he was in L.A. that maybe he was lazy or didn't put in the hard work. And that, that absolutely <laughs> was – was way off base. Uh, it turns out he's one of the hardest workers in the league. And uh, hearing, you know, J.J. and others on the team talk about it, the amount of time he puts in, uh, the hours spent afterwards, his, he's very observant. And, uh, and he said, you know, when Stan Van got there, one of the first things he told his teammates was, I like being coached. You know, I like, I like guys that have done it for a while. Um, I like constructive criticism. And he's just... Uh, his passing, the way he's gotten off to the start of this, Zion is still, you know, he's not finishing his last season. We're only three games in, um, and he's only played 27 NBA games ever. But uh, but for B.I., Norm, I mean, the, the, his start to this season, Steven Adams has been fun, okay? But B.I.'s start to this season is the most encouraging thing, not just about this season, but I think about this franchise right now. That's I, I love his mindset, I love his game, and I love, despite the fact that he just signed that max contract, which he earned, he is still in the gym every single day. He doesn't even go out in New Orleans. He doesn't, he doesn't do anything. All he does is just consume basketball. And, um, and I, think, I think we might only be scratching the surface with how good this guy can be. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, I, and, you know, I know you're not in the streets of New Orleans, but let me tell you what the streets are saying about B.I. You know, just like how Alvin Kamar assimilated the New Orleans culture, you can just yesterday I saw Alvin Kamar was riding around the neighborhood in downtown New Orleans, popping willies with kids. You know, you had Teddy Bridgewater walking home from games. 
you know, you got Michael Thomas has a grill and a do-rag I mean, and, and a soldier rag around his neck every game now. B.I. has assimilated into this New Orleans culture. <laughs> he doesn't go out. He doesn't, you know, but he still, you can still see him around in New Orleans. He's still, you know, is dressing New Orleans like. You're starting to see a little bit of New Orleans swagger in his mannerisms. And I think he's, you know, he's he wasn't the big L.A. kid. Like, he didn't want to go to L.A. with all the media attention and the commercials and everybody asking him questions. He just wanted to chill, you know, go get some beignets, get a little daiquiri, go home and chill. And that's B.I., you know, and, and everybody in New Orleans loves him for him. And like you say he got his money and he's still coming to work with his lunch pail. The sky's the limit for him. Being a tandem with Zion Williamson, I'm I'm happy to be a Pelicans fan right now. I'll tell you that. I think coming from uh, from Kinston, North Carolina, a town of only twenty one thousand, but yet it's produced multiple NBA players, whether it be Reggie Bullock, whether it be Jerry Stackhouse. This guy won four state titles in high school in a row. Went here, goes to the Lakers. They're in a weird phase where they have young guys, and then. LeBron comes in, and then it's constantly you're going to be traded, and then he has the, uh, the 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 blood clot issue, and finally he gets to New Orleans and just kind of settles in. I mean, he's only he's only 23, and he just turned 23 like a few months ago. He's a lot of basketball in front of him, and I think him talking about growing up in Kinston in a a, a smaller town in North Carolina that that has a high crime rate that doesn't have a lot of jobs, and as he said, look a lot. A lot of people I grew up with, they, some of them are dead or in prison. You know, basketball was the escape. It's where I always went. His dad ran a gym in Kinston, and he would go there, and that's that was the safe haven, as he said it. And so, he 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 described it as like it's still that mindset. Like in L.A., when things were crazy, and I'm you know still in my teens, and 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 the lakers culture is just everywhere you go they all know who you are my safe haven to get away from it was just it was the basketball court that's where i went that is where he was most comfortable that is formed in his youth that is formed as okay that's the safe place to go he finds joy in the grind he finds joy in putting in the work and that's something that's that's you can't say about all that about every player, even some of the best ones, right? It's okay, gotta get the practice in, but man, I'm I'm young, I've got millions of dollars, I, I want to have some fun. For Brandon, it's not this like he's a homebody, admittedly, and and, and Zion is too. And Zion is too, by the way. Um, you know, it's, it, he, now granted, he does a lot of media stuff, and I think I think Lonzo Ball is as well. He's just because of you know his dad and the reality show and stuff like that. I think people think Lonzo is much more out there than he is. He, these guys, they, they, they're homebodies. They just they want to they want to practice. They want to go home. They want to play ball. You don't see them out and about, you know, at clubs or or or, or doing a ton of other stuff. They just now Zion they embrace the grind. You know, I know you know what the boot is. Now that was he. That was, that was great. That was great. The boot, man. Him and him and Jackson Hayes and Nikhil, like the week after they got drafted, all went to the boot. That was hilarious. Um, but no, like they, they're, they're with Brandon Ingram. Like when you have that kind of desire to just keep working, that's when you look. Any player that signs a max, good for them, right? I think fans think of it as, man, is this team I root for going to regret it? Is it going to work out? When there there was there was never any question with with bi it was yes Health. do it i mean this 
This is nothing about this guy is going to change. Like he's 23, but it feels like he has the maturity of a guy that's been in the league for for 10 years already. And I think that's that's what's so exciting right now about him and his future with his franchise and being currently the best player on the team. I mean, Zion's going to get the most headlines, and maybe one day Zion will be the best player. But right now, there is no question. This is Brandon Ingram's team. Yeah, and what I like about it is I still feel like Brandon Ingram will punch you in the face, you know? Like, he's quiet, but he'll still punch you in the face. Like, you know, I I remember that fight that happened between Rondo and Chris Paul, and then Brandon Ingram came out of nowhere swinging punches. I want that guy on my team. That's when I knew. I knew I wanted him. I miss Rajon Rondo. Love Rajon Rondo. But I need guys on my team who's going to throw some punches. I don't know about Zion yet. I feel like people just not going to try him. But with Steven Adams and Brandon Ingram, I know I'll be in that top five a beat you up squad. I'm, I'm, I'm putting the Pelicans in a top five I'll beat you up squad, Scott. Steven, Steven Adams. I mean, <laughs> look, the, 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 the issues with this team are consistent outside shooting. And once you get past seven on the depth chart and that, yes. that and that's, that's yes. three games have only magnified what we already knew about the issues with this team so I don't think I think that's going to be an issue all year but man I mean the the new addition of Steven Adams Bledsoe's going to have some nights where he shoots well some nights he doesn't good defender um, but Lonzo's been playing very sharp in three games Zion has not played great yet uh, and and that's that's only I mean when he does start playing great but Steven Adams, what? Only three games in, man, and he's already become quickly become, I think, a fan favorite. I think fans are just going to love this guy more and more with each game. Um, I want to my own horn, but like uh, six months ago, I called for Steven Adams to be a New you Orleans did. Pelican. You did? No, you did. And I and, said, and I, and I think I said, no, that's not going to happen. He's like, got another twenty-seven mil, another year on his contract. It's not going to happen. Yeah, and I just I. Once I knew he had the gold teeth, Scott, I knew he needed to be a New Orleans Pelican. A Australian, a tatted Australian with gold teeth. New Zealand. New Zealand. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Same, I'm sorry. Same, part of the, <laughs> same part of the planet. Same part of the planet. You know, it, it just fits us. It's like, you, man, I can picture Stephen Adams at the red dress run. In New Orleans, like oh yeah. oh yeah, you can see now. See, that's the guy that you can see out and about in New Orleans. He doesn't strike me as a homebody. He strikes me as a yeah. Let's get around town, mate. Yeah, <laughs> let's go to the old Cherry Pub. <laughs> that guy. So so see, here, here's a little story about Stephen Adams. So his his uh, he was born in New Zealand. His uh, his mother's from Tonga. His father is originally from England, and his his dad, whose name was oh, he's Sid. A- He's a he, he's a mutt. He served in the Royal Navy and ended up settling in New Zealand. Do you know how many siblings Stephen Adams has? <sighs> let's just say that. Uh, What's the over under? Let's just say if you're thinking Philip Rivers, Antonio Cromartie, you're not even close yet in terms of the amount of kids his dad. Oh, oh man! All right, all right, all right. So Papa was a Rolling Stone. Eighteen children with five women. 18 children over five minutes. He has 17 siblings. Now, some are half um, siblings and some are full siblings. But, in fact, he has a half-sister that was a dual Olympic gold medalist and a four-time world champion shot putter. 
Um, his oh, he, he, has two, he has two brothers that play in the New Zealand Basketball League, and and he's you know Stephen didn't really like so. Stephen's the youngest of eighteen kids, and his dad was in his sixties when he had him, and his father passed away. I think you know 14, 15 years ago. Um, but you know he was young, and he didn't. You know he said it was a big impact for him. He didn't have that parental guidance, and he ended up finding basketball, and that changed his life. And now here he is, just. I'm gonna say uh, his that, dad was yeah. playing the long game, Scott. His dad was playing. He knew what he was doing. He knew if he could get past five kids, he knew he had a shot for a, at least two to be great. Once you get past that five number, the chances start start going <laughs> higher and higher and higher. So he knew what he was doing. Just like Philip Rivers and Kamara, they know what they're doing. Once they get to that tenth child, I'm gonna say one of them ten child, ten, ten children is going to take care of the family and the. the well, I, I think, commend I think, the dad. I think, I think Philip and, and Cromartie can do that. But, yeah, I guess for the next generation. I think Stephen, you know, he uh, – to be to have 17 older siblings is just – I can't even I can't even imagine. But um, but that dude is uh, only 27, and yet somehow he feels like he's, I don't know, much older. Yeah, it feels like he, you know, been playing since the 60s. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, is it the, is it the long hair? Is it the long black hair? You know, he, looks, I, he, looks like, he looks like a wrestler. He looks like a wrestler he, crossed with a pirate. What would he, do you think he could have been a hardy boy? Oh, he's a main eventer. I mean, 6'11", <laughs> 265, that athleticism, the mic skills, the accent. Uh, yeah, he could have, he, he, he could have been a main eventer, but I think he chose the right profession. I mean, he is on the last year of a hundred million dollar contract and well, he signed an extension. So he's with the Pels two more years after this one. But yeah, I think, I think he chose the right profession. Yeah, I thought 100%. And then you never know with being in New Orleans, you never know what he might get into uh post career. But I, I, I'm liking this 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 Pelicans. But like you said, the only thing that scares me is when we have to go, you know, past the seven man on the roster. I think we need to get another big. And Scott, I'm I'm out on Jackson Hayes. I'm, I think I'm done with it. Hey, I, you know, relax. I mean, the guy was playing a different sport a few years ago in high school, and he's only three games into his second season. He's not playing good right now. But man, yeah, there's I, there's a process here. The only way they're going to get better is to give him minutes. Right, right, right. But I, I'm, I'm gonna tell you early. I'm gonna tell you early. I'm out. I'm out on Sasha Bob, I, and I was in, but I'm out. All right. He's already, he's I'm already out. jumping off there. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Fourteen20and.com. All right. That's gonna do it for the Great Scott Show. The Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank coming up in um, next week. A week from Thursday, Norm will be back in the studio with me. We will have a playoff picture. We'll know who's in, and we will go back and look at our preseason playoff predictions. That'll be interesting. I'm sure we'll be able to roast each other quite a bit. I made one that was, uh, admittedly, I went out on a limb, but whew, was that bad. I, I hope mine's come true because I know I picked the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> so did I. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. Steve Pelequin is next with Beyond the Game. Then we got Greeny. Then we got Max Kellerman. Then Brad Topham from 2 until 4 today. And we've got a doubleheader, the Cheez-It Bowl, followed by the Alamo Bowl. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow morning. CSPN1420.com. Have a good one, Norm. You too.
business owners, did you know 81% of consumers search for a business's website online prior to making a purchase? No website, no problem. My name is Lori Foreman, and I work for this amazing radio station and can help your business get a professional, affordable website with no contract. Give me a call at 257-1987, and let me help your business stand above your competition with a new professional website that's mobile-friendly and secure. I can also help you promote your business on streaming TVs, YouTube ads, and direct digital marketing. I can deliver your digital ad directly to your perfect... And don't forget the power of radio. Radio reaches 93% of the population, and this station can help you get right in front of your customers. Call me, Lori Foreman, 257-1987 now. And let me help your business stomp out the competition. That's Lori Foreman, 257-1987, and let me work for your business. Advanced Chemical and Janitorial Supply has been providing quality cleaning products for the Acadiana